Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Remember that we're studying Ephesians because the first three chapters give us doctrine. That's not boring. That's the basis on which we found our faith. It's on the doctrines that we know that cause us to trust and believe. The last three chapters in the book tell us what to do. It's our duty as a believer. But if we don't understand what is ours in Christ through these doctrines, we're not motivated to do what he tells us to do. And so let's pick up with verse 4. We said, blessed be God in verse 3. That means holy. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And then verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us for a purpose. And we're told at the end of that verse what it is. That we should be holy without blame before him in love. So his purpose is to make us holy and without blame. I think sometimes we forget that, that our sins are washed away in total. We continue to sin, and it causes bad consequences. But when we confess our sin, He takes it away, and we're in right standing with Him. In verse 5, He predestined us into the adoption of children, by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good will of his good pleasure of his will. Now that sounds confusing. The word predestined means he preplanned. Before I was ever born, he had preplanned what would happen to me. Now the word adoption here, you have to understand how it was used in the culture. It's not meant the same way we use adoption, where we take a needy child, bring them into our family, and go through the legal proceedings to make him ours. That's not what it means. In biblical days, to adopt someone means to make them automatically at the age where they could receive their inheritance. Babies, young children, could not receive their inheritance until they matured. So to be adopted of Christ means the minute you invite him to come into your life, he considers you to be an adult. Now, you're not mature in your faith because you haven't had time to grow. But your position in Christ is as an adult. And all the riches that he has for us are available to you. Then in verse 6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, he has made us accepted in the beloved. God is glorified because we are made acceptable. Now, isn't that crazy? Do you ever think about the fact that God is glorified? 
when you receive Christ as your Savior. And then it says, in whom we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. The word redeemed means to be purchased. If you get a coupon in the mail for a free gift, you take your coupon and you redeem it for your gift. But the word redemption in the New Testament has far more meaning to it than that. God purchased us by the blood of his son. The wages, that's what you pay, of sin is death. You sin, you pay the wage, which is death. Death is not annihilation as we sometimes think of it. Death is separation from. When you die physically, your soul and your spirit are separated from your body. But when you die spiritually, your soul, your spirit, and later on your body are separated from God. So we have been redeemed, which means the price for our sin has been paid. But we can add to this word, we're taken off the market. Now, you just let that soak in, okay? God is your Father. He sent His Son to pay the price that He required for our sin. And He has taken us off the market. That means no one can separate us from Him. We'll never be for sale again. And it was through His blood according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And he's made known unto us, in verse 8, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. Now, what is his will? We'll find this again in this, this book in Ephesians chapter 5. God's will for you and me is to let him be the Lord of our life. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to be the ruler. He wants to take charge. Today is the 28th of April, 2020. And today I heard that our food supply, our food chain, might be disrupted. Restaurants are closed. Farmers are not selling as much produce. Cattlemen aren't selling as much beef. Chickens aren't being sold. I never thought about that today, that when restaurants close, part of the sale of those produce and cattle and meat is, is limited. And so the, the farmers and the cattlemen are going under. And it doesn't look bleak. It looks bleak. doesn't look bleak. It looks bleak. But you know what? I have a Lord who is in control of the universe. And he's responsible for me. Now, he demands two things of me. Number one, that I invite him to come into my life and save me. 
And the second thing he demands is that I let him be the Lord. The Lord of the manor provided the manor for the people that lived on his property. And God will provide for us. I don't know how he does it. But I read a verse one time. It says he will meet our needs according to his riches and glory, not mine. Now, verse 10, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he will gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even to him. Dispensations. Dispensations are periods of time where God deals with man in different ways. The first dispensation was when Adam and Eve were born. And God dealt with them in innocence. They did not know evil. They disobeyed him. They ate the fruit. They were put out of the garden so they wouldn't live forever in sin. God clothed them with the skins of animals after they tried making coats of fig leaves, and they didn't work. And God clothed them. That's the first picture of Jesus Christ, because you can't skin an animal without the blood being shed. And then God dealt with them in a different way, according to their conscience. And man living by his conscience can make a big mess, because we can sear our conscience And we can do things so often that are wrong, we get used to it. And that's what happened. And God said, I'm sorry that I've made man. I'm going to destroy him. But he found Noah and his family righteous. So he had Noah build the ark. And Noah and his sons and his wife and their wives and two of every kind of animal went into the ark. And the flood came. And when it ended, God once again changed the method by which he dealt with man. And he said, Noah, you set up a human government. And you disperse and replenish the land. And the people didn't want to disperse. And so they went to Babel. And they built a tower. And they said, we don't need God. We can get to heaven by ourselves, And God came down and confounded man's language. And that's why we have so many languages in the world. But then God picked up a man named Abram. And he told him to go to the promised land. He would give him a land and he would make his, his children like the sands of the sea. And God began to deal with us in another way. That is promise. God made promises to Abraham, changed his name from Abram, and Abraham didn't really believe. So he left the land and went to Egypt. And they stayed there until God sent Moses to get them out. And they crossed the Red Sea on dry land and murmured and complained and hated Moses for freeing them from the Pharaoh. 
And then God chose to deal another way with man, and that is through the law. And he gave Moses the law. And he said, Moses, here's the law. Man must abide by it. If they don't, here are the sacrifices they have to offer. And here is the blueprint for the tabernacle. You build it. That is the presence of God. And you offer sacrifices when man disobeys you. And then Jesus Christ came along. And he died. And he took away our sins, as we've read here. And we live in another dispensation. It's called grace. It's been God's grace all along. But now, by grace are we saved through faith. And that, not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And he promises here that one day, in the fullness of times, he's going to gather together, all of us together, those in heaven and those on earth. And that speaks of the rapture of the church. When Jesus appears in the sky with the shout and the sound of the trumpet, and those of us that are alive in Christ will go to meet him in the air, and the dead in Christ will rise from the grave, and we'll ascend into heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And truly, that's the next event in God's timetable. So, verse 11 says we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works things after the counsel of his own will. We have an inheritance. When will we receive it? We're receiving the, the earnest of it now in the Holy Spirit. But after the rapture, we stand before God, before Jesus, and we're rewarded for how much faith we had in Him and how we trusted Him. When we saw no way out, we didn't fail to believe what His Word says. So remember, your foundation is not on your ability but it's on your willingness to put your faith and trust in what he says and know that he has prepared a wonderful life for us in spite of our circumstances. So God bless you. Share with others. And thanks for listening.